electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner in for Melissa Lee. Thanks, Wilf. This is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Steve Grasso, James McDonald, Nadine Terman, and Jeff Mills. Tonight on Fast, a bold call on the banks. Canaccord's Tony Dwyer says it's time to ring the register on the financials. He'll tell us why he is downgrading that sector today. A big call today. Plus, Ford driving higher on the back of a big upgrade. Is this the stock to play in the EV space now? And later, betting on the brackets why March Madness could be a slam dunk for the gambling stocks. We do start, though, with a Friday fade on Wall Street. The Dow and the S&P 500 finishing the day in the red with the Nasdaq managing to hold on to gains. But for the week, all three major averages now finishing lower. Rates remaining front and center for investors. The 10-year yield holding above pre-pandemic highs. So what is the setup as we head into the final trading week of the quarter? Steve Grasso, I turn to you first. I mean, this is no big secret. I guess it depends on where rates go. That's 100% right, Scott. And, and uh, thanks for being here. Good to see you. I haven't seen you in so long. So the rates are definitely leading this market around uh, by the head, uh, quite frankly. And I think what you're seeing, though, Scott, is the dynamic of people, try, investors, trying to get used to buying something they're not familiar with. What I mean by that, f- uh, FANG stocks, everyone knows what they do, but industrials, materials, energy names, There's been such a gross outperformance of growth over value for 15 years. Now value is just coming on, not even strong yet. We're talking about a couple of months that value has outperformed growth, where it's underperformed growth for about 15 years, as I said. So people have to start getting used to things that they're not comfortable buying. So every time Amazon sells off, people think, okay, well, it's down 5%. 8%, 10%, it must be a buy. They have to get hurt before they understand. They have to get to know other sectors. Yeah, Nadine, look, part of the problem, frankly, from the big investors that I talk to, it's almost a paralyzing feeling. You don't know where rates are going to go in three days, no less three months. Is, it gonna, is the tenure going to be at 1.6? Is it going to be at 2%? So what you thought was a buy a week ago in terms of maybe those high growth tech stocks that have pulled back, maybe aren't a buy today. Maybe they will be tomorrow. And that's part of the problem. I think you're right. What we look for here is the underowned. Steve was pointing that out. Things like energy was vastly underowned, still underowned. But one of the key points we were looking at today is oil volatility. It had popped above 50 yesterday. We thought if it got to 60 today, we would be worried. But it came back down to 44. So what that tells me is there's still path on energy, materials, industrials, those types of names. So you're looking to re-enter those names, those under-owned names. Jeff, look, I mean, some of these cyclical stocks have run a lot. At some point, you're going to ask yourself, have they run too far too fast? Like our guest to be coming up in just a minute has been asking himself lately, Tony Dwyer of Canaccord, and we'll get to him in a second. But is that the conversation we need to have now, taking a look at some of the, the 
cyclical stocks that have run awfully far? I mean, I think it depends on your time horizon, right? So I think you can make the case that maybe rates have gone up too far too fast, but ultimately you're going to have the value trade reassert itself. At least, at least that's my opinion. And Steve mentioned it. You know, they've outperformed for the better part of 10 or 15 years. The valuation gap is still very wide, even given what we've seen this year. And if you look at earnings revisions for financials or energy, um, they've outpaced technology this year as well. So I think the fundamentals are gathering steam also. Um, and look, for, for an economy that's going to grow somewhere around 10%, even if we were going to grow half that, you know, the tenure at 172 kind of makes some sense here. And I, I think it's easy to get hysterical about interest rates moving up and that derailing the stock market. But history isn't necessarily on your side relative to that point of view. I mean, even go back to last August when the tenure was at 50 basis points, now at 172. The market's up over 21% over that period of time. You have seen the bifurcation between value and growth. But even since the end of January, when rates went from 1% to 172, we're still up 4.5% over that period of time. And maybe just to button up that perspective for the viewers, I did send in a chart. So maybe we could pull that up really quickly. But it just looks at periods over, over a long period of time where real interest rates increased by more than 100 basis points versus periods of declining rates. 9.5% uh, return on the S&P 500 during those periods of rising interest rates. Uh, only 5.5% or 5.4% return uh, on, during those falling interest rate periods. So I think everybody needs to take a breath and realize that you might see daily chop because of interest rate moves, but I still think the path of least resistance for rates is probably a little bit higher and the path of least resistance for stocks are higher as well. Okay, uh, James, Jeff may be right, um, and his chart tells a good story, right? Over the longer period of time, rates can go up and the stock market can go up at the same time. However, we have a different story to tell because you had a large number of high-growth stocks have multiple expansion, uh, I mean, from, to an unbelievable degree, right? So they are going to have to make an adjustment, some of those stocks, because of what rates are doing. I mean, that's just plain fact, right? Multiples are going to compress if interest rates continue to rise. Well, there's certainly uh, a lot of unprecedented factors leading to our decision making. And I think, as Steve said at the top, you know, money is trying to find a home now that tech is no longer the story. Uh, I take the Russell 2000, for example, in small caps, you know, 40 percent up since the vaccine was announced, 15 percent up year to date. And so that's double uh, the S&P uh, or the Dow, obviously, the NASDAQ is still negative, uh, even with some relief today. And so the yield story, I think, was the arbiter for risk coming into this really bullish trend since the uh, election and since the vaccine was announced. And so the yield story, I think it's a story, but it's less of a story given the unprecedented nature of monetary policy here. People are looking for an excuse uh, uh, to find, not looking for excuse, but looking for where the risk is. I think the yield story is there. Uh, obviously, value is a big category, but from what, from my perspective, I'm watching small caps. Uh, they continue to get relief. They continue to get buttressed by buying, uh, and I think that the rotation is going to continue. People are in a bullish mindset. They want to find money to be made somewhere, whether it's crypto, uh, whether it's energy, new energy, whether it's infrastructure, uh, and it looks like the bullish sentiment is going to probably outperform even if yields come up. Let's bring in our headline guest for the night. We've been talking about him and his call all day. The financials, the worst performing group in today's session. Our next guest making a big call on that space this morning really dictated a lot of the trade today. Canaccord's Tony Dwyer has downgraded the financials. He joins us now. Tony, it's good to see you. Welcome. 
Great to see you, Scott. And I think you give me a little too much credit, but thanks, buddy. <laughs> I mean, look, your, your call was much talked about, which basically says downgrade the financials. They've run too far too fast. Rates are going to top out. All of the financial stocks were down today. Rates blipped down a little bit. Explain your call. So, Scott, if you remember last May, I think I was on, on the halftime or on fast, but I'm not sure which one. But on May 26, we went on offense and we thought that the incredible monetary policy stimulus that had coming fiscal stimulus as well was going to be enough to get the economy going again. So we, we went on economic offense since that time. Um, and that was a banks, quote unquote, banks and tanks call. Since that time, the financials and industrials, believe it or not, most people can't believe it, are the top two performing sectors in the S&P 500. So when you couple the gains that you've had there, especially in the last few months, with the, the rate of change in the rise of the 10-year note yield, it's never gotten to the kind of level we're at. And people would say, of course it hasn't, because it's as low as it gets. We have exponentially more debt, so I discount that. We've just had such a sharp rise that when it's Nielsen, been this Scott, sharp, uh, when it's been this sh when it's been this sharp um, before, <laughs> and pulled back. Sorry about that. And pulled back for a week, which it did. It's a signal that you're going to peak out in the relative performance for the financials. So again, this isn't a oh my god, the sky is falling. We're new in an economic and market cycle where excess liquidity is going to fuel this synchronized global recovery. This is a call that over the next one week to three months, you're going to get an underperformance of financials based on uh, a stabilization. Only, only if rates are done going up, right? I mean, that, that is the, the wild card in, in this whole call. It only works if rates stop going up from here. Well, the bulk of it's behind us. It can go up a little bit more. And the two instances where you got over 50 on the 10-week rate of change and then you peaked and pulled back, rates actually uh, in one of the instances went even higher. But you had still peaked out the relative performance because everybody on the planet thinks rates are going to go higher. And that's already to some degree discounted in the financials. So, again, it's more of, you know, the fundamentals aren't bad, but it's just – it's so visible that it's showed up in the gains in the space. Yeah, I want to bring in Grasso because, Steve, you disagree with Tony and his call. So let's get it on a little bit. What, what's the issue that you have with his call today? <laughs> so I, I like that, that Tony said that it's a short-term call. So I, I have no problem with that. Um, it, you know, markets can change ebb and flow on a daily basis. But when you look at the XLF, Back in, in 2007, they topped out at basically 31. In 2018, uh, a little over 30. 2019, 3104. 2020, 3138. We've broken trend. This is something, this is not our mother and father's stock market any longer. This is a value play that's coming on strong. It's not just about the the uh the yield curve it's not just about the 210 spread that's at a five-year widest widest uh, measure as we've seen this is something that we're going to see a boom of an economy that we have never seen before we're coming off of a pandemic the last one was 100 years ago so tony when you look at the financials i agree that you could see a little bit of a flattening of the financials but you would have to agree that the trend is still higher for value and financials are at the epicenter of value with yields moving higher. 
So, Steve, I, I've been saying since last summertime, and I will not change it. I cannot imagine a situation where I'm going to change it because of the excess liquidity that's fueling this recovery. We've never seen this level of liquidity. So this is a multi-year call on economic recovery, right? This is not a multi-day. It wasn't a, a two-quarter call that I made. There are periods in that, just like any new bull market, where you don't want to chase it because when you chase it at such a high level with real data, this isn't my opinion, it's what the data has shown. With real data, the problem is you tend to sell it inappropriately. So I would rather attack weakness than fear it and then make a mistake on weakness. There's no question in my mind. Go ahead, sorry. No, you go ahead. When When you say there's no question in my mind, I apologize for stepping on your toes there. Finish your thought, Tony. Buddy, there's no question in my mind that we're in a new bull market. We are in a new economic cycle. The last thing you want to do is get overly negative knowing that. The problem becomes when you get drawdowns, it it becomes painful and people unfortunately sell it instead of buy it. I'm I'm just not – I don't know if if, if people are ready to stop buying growth stocks, right, because that's where the action is. That's where the action's been. That's where you get the highest rate of growth in what still is going to be a reasonably low interest rate environment. Tony, I hear you on your near-term tactical call, but longer mm-hmm. term, aren't traders going to revert right back to the growth stocks that got you here? You dance with, with who brung you, and they're the ones who are going to continue to be the dance partner. Well, well, Scott, you would think that, except financials and industrials are the top two performing sectors since last May. So, you know, yes, you had a, and by the way, it was an idiot call right up front and for two months it was wrong, but you've had, you had such a move and a thrust in those growth stocks that you need a true anticipation of economic weakness. Remember what really favors those mega cap predictable growth names is when you have a fear of economic activity, right? And that comes when you have a shutdown in money availability. We have a record level of money availability here. So ultimately, that's where I believe we're in a new economic cycle where you want to buy weakness into the economic reopening theme or or recovery theme because there is that liquidity to really support growth. You can't support growth if you don't have any money. We have a never before level seen, uh, seen level of money. Tony, good stuff. Appreciate it. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you soon. That's kind of towards Tony. 30, years of, doing this, 30 oh. years of doing this guy, you figure I would have muted my phone. So sorry about that and have a great day, guys. Yeah, you as well. That's the brave new world of doing all this from our homes. All right, Tony, we'll, we'll see you soon. All right, Nadine, you, you heard the argument uh, or at least the conversation. Uh, what's your opinion here? I mean, I think he's right, obviously, on a one-day short term. We have daily risk ranges. So yesterday was pretty obvious that financials were overbought, treasuries also overbought, oversold, so you could cover your shorts on long-duration treasuries. Um, But when you look ahead, right, and I think that that's what Steve's point is, is that yields probably are rising. Financials are under-owned, just like energy. And if you look today, financials are at implied volatility premium. That means that people are still paying a lot for protection on financial names. And it means, therefore, that they probably have additional room to run. So if you see yields at 1.9%, 2% on the 10-year, you're going to have a nice return on those financials. So I have to disagree with Tony. I still think there's room to run. I'm going to agree with Steve on it. But from a day-to-day trading perspective, Tony was right today. All right, good stuff. We'll take a quick break. Coming up, shares of Ford. 
kicking into high gear lately. The stock is getting a big upgrade today as well. We're going to tell you what's got the street so electrified on that name. And later, two words, college basketball, the big money on the line as March Madness gets underway. How you can trade around that. We'll talk about it when Fast Money returns. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. Shares of Ford are jumping after Barclays said it sees a, quote, spring awakening for the stock. It's our call of the day. Analysts upgrading the stock there to overweight, saying Ford shares could accelerate as the automaker shifts more aggressively into EVs. Let's trade it. Uh, James, I mean, all right, good call. Maybe a little late. I just looked at a chart on the CNBC app, and it's from, like, bottom left to upper right. The thing's had a huge move. So now... Now we're going to buy it now with all this aggressiveness or what? You know, you got to love Ford. It's one of those names that's never going to go away. You know, you put Boeing in that category. You put General Electric, General Motors in that category. First of all, we have to understand this stock is always going to come back from trouble. And breaking out above pre-pandemic levels here is the premium assigned to this stock from the EV opportunity. And Ford is smart. Ford is going to take advantage of this market. And the EV market is new. Um, They are a player in the space, and I think that the upgrade to 19 bucks here uh, is a sign of the encouragement that management has led with their partnerships with Volkswagen in Europe. Ford is going to be an exceptional player in this space because they're never going to go away. There's not that hint of risk around them like you might have another name. Uh, What I like about Ford here is it's still relatively inexpensive compared to other EV players. Obviously, the volume that we've seen here in February and March Obviously, uh, people knew this was coming. The roar that you've seen from left to right, you know, tripled value in the stock and investors like that. And I think that there's going to be a little bit of a piling in effect with this upgrade. Jeff, we going to 16, like the analyst says, is that where Ford's going? I think it probably is. I, I understand your point. It's hard to buy after such a big move. But to reiterate what James said, you know, trading at 10 times forward, the valuation is still somewhat reasonable. And I think about autos just generally in the macro setup uh, and what I think about the consumer. I know I've been beating this drum over and over again, but $2 trillion now after the stimulus and excess, excess savings versus this time last year, I mean, that, that's a massive tailwind to sectors like autos. So I, I think you could have some upside. It is about EVs. I think you see massive growth in EVs. You're starting to see sticker price come down, be a little bit more comparable to gas-powered cars. So I I think there's a big move here. And I I understand that the big focus here is on EV, but I think also focusing on Europe in the call is interesting. You know, they're talking about driving toward that 6% margin call that they have in Europe, uh, switching that product mix a little bit to SUVs, a little bit higher margins. I think that helps drive profitability as well. Um, And typically, Ford trades at a premium to General Motors. So I think taking all of those things together, you can retake that premium and the stock goes higher. It's not like GM's been a slouch by any stretch. I mean, the chart looks similar as well. Your point's well taken. All right, coming up, March Madness. It hits the sports betting market in a big way. Our traders are gearing up for a full court press on that trade. 
There are some of the stocks making big moves. It is gambling on. And later, the options action team knocking on your door with a new way to play UPS. We're going to break down the action. Stick with us. Fast Money's back in just two minutes. Welcome back to Fast Money. You hear the music. It can only mean one thing. March Madness officially underway, and so are the gamblers. 47 million Americans expected to bet on this year's tourney. That, according to the American Gaming Association, is an absolute slam dunk, of course, for the sports betting stocks. Check out the games in names like Penn National Gaming, DraftKings. They've been on a tear over the past year. So which one of these names is a layup for your portfolio? Grasso, I go to you. I mean, they are the two most obvious names. The question is, is it too obvious? Yeah, you, you know, and kudos to, to uh, the general on this. Jeff's been all over DraftKings for quite some time. I, I think that's the name. That's the brand name. That's the name recognition that you get. I do like Penn Gaming uh, a, a, a little bit more than that one, more of a traditional gaming play. And then I'll go uh, outside the two that you gave me. I think MGM. Under normalized earnings, $2.2 billion coming out of Vegas. So I think that's one you could throw in that game as well. So, Jeff, right? So if you've been all over DraftKings leading into this, now what? I mean, I think you still own it here. I think there's still a massive tail- tailwind. I mean, you had over 7 million people just bet on the Super Bowl. It's one game. So I think the pie continues to grow as legalization spreads. But I'll go outside of the box here, too, a little bit. And I thought Steve sure. might actually mention uh, BFT and, and PaySafe. You know, I think if you're looking to play the infrastructure, <laughs> a company who's processing payments online, you know, I think this is, a, this is a real opportunity here. I was reading a survey today. It actually shocked me. So people choosing which sports book to buy, 37% said quick and easy payouts were the the most important categorization there so any company who can facilitate that i think has a tailwind all right nadine you have sort of an under the radar play for us tonight goldman initiated on a name we've held for many months here evolution gaming people can check it out it has an roic of over 65 percent and cash conversion of 85 percent so free cash flow margins of 60 percent Great name. It partners with DraftKings. So love a name like that. A little bit less held. Give me a final trade, if you would, quickly, please. Sure. BP, it's an intersection of energy and undervalued Europe. They have a similar footprint as the U.S. names and 15% undervalued. All right. Thank you for that. James, quick. Global X Education ETF, EDUT, we've seen COVID disrupt many areas of life. I think online education has a lot of upside. Okay. Quickly, Jeff, and then Grasso. Palantir hit that $23 level of support today. I think it goes higher. Grasso. Chewy, straight up from here. Chewy, straight up from here. All right, good stuff. Thanks, everybody. Does it for Fast Money. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, No one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business.
absolutely, positively FedEx.